I have sailed. I have moved about this world of ours, and ever in search of the finest of its kind, we bring you the tops in Audio Drama Networks. This is Mutual. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Hello, strange world. Welcome to the Aldergate Papers. My name is Adrian Ward, and these singed and crumpled pages are my diary, a record of the final days of my former life. I remember almost nothing of the story they contain, and the more I read, the less I wish to know. There is a shadow over Aldergate University, a shadow from which I barely escaped with my life. A shadow into which I must now step once more. And you're coming with me. So, where were we? We left our hero in the throes of an uncomfortable revelation that he himself may have been the unwitting cause of his old friend's murder. We rejoin him in the midst of another unpleasant realization that, with great responsibility, can come maddening powerlessness. This is Day Nine, Part Three The Choir Invisible. It is the ninth day of the return to Aldergate. The time and place of writing is mid-morning, in the ringing chamber of the Warden College bell tower. We begin. Well, self, here you are, apparently. Here on the bridge of a posh, if rather untidy, mechanical spaceship. Prepare for blast-off, just as soon as the bloke with the side whiskers is done fighting his robot octopus. Um, the Tridecapus, rather. Dangerous-looking brute, and it's been quite the battle. The towering metal monster drew first blood. But it seems all fingers are still attached, and the tide appears to have turned at last. Star Captain Mutton Chops may have only two human hands to his foe's thirteen, but his is uppermost, and victory in sight. See how grandly he tames the great alien beast, sweat gleaming in every fold of his shining neck. No wonder your fellow crew members look at him as if they'd follow him into the jaws of the abyss. <laughs> well, at least they're not looking at you. You do feel a dreadful impostor, 
horning in like this on what's clearly a solemn and significant ritual. But, after all, suppose you've every right to join them, rank outsider though you are. You may have become vice-chancellor, but once a scholar, always a scholar, and as an altercation you are entitled, if not obligated, to stick your nose in anywhere it leads you. Not as if this is the first time you've jumped aboard a study cult. Of <laughs> course, last time it turned into a passion, and a career, and a life, and, oh, ever so many horrible complications. You shouldn't like to go through all that again. Not too much danger of that. Don't think you're likely to be swept away by this lot. Not that you've anything against it, but bell-ringing is the sort of thing you've always thought of as happening to other people. Nevertheless, today it does appear to be happening to you. Here you are in the Warden College Bell Tower, a dark, rather sumptuous octagonal room. Looks like something off the Nautilus. Buffed bird's-eye mahogany on the windowless walls and bits of naked machinery sticking out of the ceiling and generally lying round the place. Brass hanging lamps with smoky glass shades that make your fellow cultists look like flies in amber. All except old side whiskers, who is now haloed in the blue glow of the semicircular bank of touchscreens he's poking away at. Expectation is building palpably. It appears that, in some obscure, bell-ringy sort of way, you are about to witness history in the making. Oh, or perhaps not. Oh dear. Wait, wait. <laughs> False alarm. Just a sneeze. The unsatisfying front half of one, at any rate. For a moment, you thought you were off again. Ever since you left Parata's embrace this morning, you've been reduced to a sort of helpless spectator of your own life, bouncing here and bouncing there, as other ward flips the channel on you. <sighs> Stabilize now. Stabilize. The touchscreens have all flickered from blue to black, and each now displays in golden capitals two words. Choir Invisible. Whatever that is, Sidewhiskers seems awfully pleased with it. He has turned with a triumphal gesture, and is now addressing the audience. Everybody's absolutely loving it does sound like pretty good stuff. First in the world. Development partnership with Bray College and the Buckminster Nanofab. Machine-enabled telepresence. Analog arc differential. Scalable change teams. Feedback-assisted coursing. Fully articulated control harnesses for solo bob hunting. Hmm... Well, you've never hunted Bob yourself, 
Live and let live has been your attitude towards Bob as a general rule, but do each their own. Your neighbors are all scribbling notes as if the chap spoke with the tongue of prophecy. And gives you an excuse to keep on scribbling too. <sighs> Focus now. Assuming all this doesn't awaken within you the desire to chuck the murder mystery game and become a blameless tower-dwelling hunchback, what's your next move? <sighs> As if there are any point in your planning anything. Seems you can't manage to walk down the street without finding yourself racked aimlessly all over town. If you hope to escape the wrath of Black Jack Hoborn by moving unpredictably, you're off to a cracking start, but it's a dreadful, helpless feeling, never knowing when or how you may be snatched suddenly out of existence. One moment you're striding east down the high street with steam coming out of your ears. The idea that Sammy may have been killed just to get to you was too much. Something needed to be done, and you were going to do it. Wasn't until you reached the mouth of Lamp Street that you realized your feet were dutifully carrying you to the place where you're most accustomed to doing things that need doing. Sadly, Hobson Muse has been ash for a decade and a half, and Simon Arkwell's new gothic clubhouse isn't likely to provide much of a substitute. So, you paused and dithered all wound up and nowhere to go. And then, abruptly, you went. Zip! Sudden cobblestones underfoot made your ankles wobble, and you had to do a skip-hop to recover. Nearly caused an accident. Other ward had taken a stroll up Lamp Street. Gone pretty far, too. You were well past that which is no longer Hobson Muse. Somebody was walking ahead of you, and, in your clumsy return to consciousness, you nearly cannoned into them. Oh, you recovered in time, but was still embarrassing. You figured they must have sensed your sudden charge at them, even felt your stupid breath on the back of their neck. They didn't turn round or say anything, but they pulled away from you at a pretty fast clip. You slowed and watched them go, then sped up so you could keep on watching. There was something about them, the feline muscularity of their movement, something at which you simply couldn't stop staring. Oh, really? Something? Is that what you call it? Well, all right. But not just that. Anyhow, they were wearing one of those long sort of cardigan coats, so there wasn't much to stare at in any case. Actually, at first you thought the coat was what had caught your attention. A knee-length, woolly, knit thing. And it occurred to your haywire brain that it was a bit like the one Sammy used to slouch about in when the weather turned cold. Context is a funny thing. All your obsessing about the murder, and then walking down Lamp Street, and suddenly it's Sammy everywhere you look. So you told yourself in the moment. 
But that wasn't all that had thrown you about the sight of the lissom pedestrian, because upon reaching Witch Street, they turned, and you caught a glimpse of their face. Only a glimpse, and barely even that. They had their chin tucked into a scarf, and their hair crammed under a cloth cap. But it certainly wasn't Sammy. No. It was... <sighs> what did you call them? Sorrows, yes. That was... Oh, it seems ages ago now. It was right before your near run-in with Kirk Bryce, the day you took tea with old Prof Kilbury. The day before the night that ended in you locking yourself in the manse's basement, nearly missing your own inauguration. Yes, sweet sorrows, the one with the breathtaking eyes. <sighs> yes, you remember now. Remember rambling pathetically about dark pools of unfathomable sadness. <sighs> but they didn't look that way today. In the split-second side view you were afforded, you saw a fierce singularity of purpose. Whatever Sorrows was off to do, they're doing it with a great deal more discipline and forcefulness than you seem to be able to muster to save your life, literally. Hopefully they were too focused to notice you nearly lumbering into them. Not that they have any idea who you even are. Why would they? <laughs> no, no, why would they? Why on earth would this sorcerer-eyed, sweater-sporting schoolie possibly have any idea who you are, mere humble billionaire knight of the realm that you are? Not as if you run their university or anything. Ah, oh, sweet mercy, self. Shrinking self-deprecation is a bad look on you. Who cares if they know who you are? Not as if you know who they are. No. Do you want to know? No. No, not at all. Which is to say, obviously, yes. All right, fine. So find out. You've seen them coming out of the new... Simon's place. And now you've seen them on Lamp Street a second time. Easiest thing in the world to find out, if you're really interested. But not a priority. Not right now. No. Right now, you've got to... <sighs> well, do something. Obviously. Something's got to be done. Look at Sidewhiskers up there. He's doing something. Something odd and vaguely perverse-looking. He's strapping some sort of jointed exoskeleton onto himself. What is going on? <sighs> Doesn't matter. Focus now. You arrived at Witch Street. Uh, Sorrows had gone left. You thought they were headed for Gambrel. An excellent excuse. But they turned up Midwinter Road, so... So much for that. You thought about heading to Gambrel anyway, 
scene of the crime and all that. Maybe head back up to Sammy's office in Triple E and do some more poking about. Then you realized you hadn't had breakfast yet, and hadn't really meant to be in that part of town at all, and... And then the music started. It sounded different from how it generally does, a bit. More echoey and clangorous. Looking behind you, you saw the musical egg rise from one of the cavernous Lamp Street drains. There was almost an oily sort of sheen on its mirror scales, and it floated straight up, tootling and honking. You watched it soar up and up, right into the pale yellow disk of the rising sun. You blinked and a green ghost lingered behind upon your retina. You blinked again, and it was gone. And so were you, gone from Witch Street, all the way down in University Place. <sighs> Honestly, how can anyone expect you to accomplish anything? Hopefully Other Ward has run all his errands for the day. Yesterday he only stole little slivers of time, like a mouse nibbling round the edges of your life. Still maddening, and it's likely to cost you. You still don't know what Elodie Tran wants from you, nor what the ramifications will be if she doesn't get it. But at least with those mini-walkabouts, you didn't actually go anywhere. This morning's here, there, and everywhere nonsense is profoundly disorienting. Popping up suddenly outside Warden left you all fuzzy-headed. This little knot of bell fanciers was just going in, and you let them sweep you along in their wake, into the college and up into this bloody tower. Where the magic is about to start. So says Sidewhiskers, who is now wearing wide gauntlets and what looks like... Oh, it's a mocap rig. All right, something virtual is about to happen. How very fashion-forward of them. It seems bell ringing is far more complicated than you'd guessed. Isn't everything these days? <sighs> Anyhow, where were you? Elodie Tran. That's right. You'd forgotten about Dr. Tran. You know so little about her, but she's awfully close to the center of this whole business. To start with, she's head of Gambrel, where Sammy was working. Or not working. Right, you saw her office in Triple E, completely unused. <sighs> An office Tran let her have. She must have had some idea of what Sammy was up to or at least claiming to be up to. And then Sammy's legs were found right outside Dr. Tran's office window. Yes. Dr. Tran knows things, things she hasn't told you. To say nothing of the things she did tell you, but you were out at the time. She wants something from you, and has some power at least to make you give it. And she sits on the University Council, 
along with Sammy and Sir John. Dangerous, dangerous. If she is in league with Holborn, wittingly or no, you must tread very carefully. Really, you probably ought to just cut her out of your scheming entirely. If there's any chance that the old villain's using her as your Judas goat, and there certainly is, you mustn't engage with her unless you absolutely have to. Which you may, because if she's not an accomplice to all this, she may be a star witness. Whether or not she happened to glance out her office window in the middle of that awful night, she has line of sight to whatever may have been going on between Sammy and Black Jack in the preceding days and weeks. Yes, you must investigate Elodie Tran, but without getting too close to her yourself. Like the poor cat in the superposition, you must grok her without direct observation. <sighs> All right. Best get up some indirect observation, then. Phones, emails, get eyes and ears inside her office and residence. Call Rostov. He knows people. Except, perhaps better not. No. No, come to think of it, you can't bring in anyone from outside, can you? Sir John may not be able to use Ultirat against you directly, but from an OPSEC perspective, you've got to assume he's got Aldergate locked down tight. If you start planting bugs and tapping wires, you'll be playing on his turf, and he'll play you right back, feed you whatever lies and half-truths he thinks will draw you out or rile you up, fake you out of position. <sighs> you lose that game. Better not to play. Oh, hello. Looks like the show's about to start. Sidewhiskers is all kitted out, and at last you understand the purpose of the robot claw monster. There's so much esoteric rubbish poking down through the ceiling, you didn't really notice the bundle of ropes tied off to the side. Sidewhiskers has unlooped them so that they hang down in the very center of the room, and now he's tenderly feeding them into the grips of thirteen mechanical hands. The touchscreens have come alive, and are now populated by mysterious figures. Ridiculous, but mysterious. Each one is wearing a mask, or a stocking, or a pillowcase with holes in. And each one has got on a mocap rig of their own. It seems the show's about to. Oops, not quite. Oh dear, Sidewhiskers seems to have got himself snagged in the machinery again. <sighs> Anyhow, where were you? Yes, you can't afford to try tackling Black Jack head-on in the old spy-versus-spy game. That plays to his strengths and your weaknesses. He's got all the experience, and you've got a nasty habit of seeing connections even where they don't exist. Better to keep things simple where you can. 
You need somebody to pump Tran for more information. You can't do it yourself. Well, who better to ask questions relating to Sammy's murder than the chap you're already paying to do just that? Of course, send Standish to do it, your faithful chief constable. Presumed faithful, at any rate. Though he also has some sort of arcane connection to Sir John. <sighs> still no idea what to make of that. And yet, you're still inclined to trust the fellow. To a point, at any rate. After all, Standish can hardly be Black Jack's cat's paw. He's got no leverage over you at all. Furthermore, though he seems a nice enough fellow in his way, he's not very forthcoming, nor particularly helpful. If he's meant to be using Sammy's investigation to lead you into a trap, he's doing a singularly poor job of it. And anyhow, the thing that's really unaccountable about the relationship between Standish and Sir John, apart from its existing in the first place, is that Sir John appears to have less than absolute control over it. That is an odd thing. And Standish himself is a bit of an odd thing. An inexplicable entity, he doesn't add up. For all that he's clearly far too clever for the role of Chief Constable of Aldergate, he doesn't seem particularly good at it. Fancy not knowing that Sammy was missing a foot. That just seems sloppy, and yet he's the last person you could ever suspect of sloppiness. Mysteries within mysteries. Who is Standish? What's his motivation in life? What weakness or ambition could push or pull him into consorting with a bad egg like Black Jack Oborn? <sighs> Money is the usual answer. But not in this case, you fancy. It's rare you can say this of any chap, but your chief constable's loyalty ought to be uniquely beyond price. Money is only what you make of it, and Standish is not a well man. As long as he remains employed here, he's got the run of Weatherby, and with it the best chance this planet has to offer of escaping the creeping doom that stalks his little dark grey cells. Losing his job would be a death sentence, and aiding and abetting a murderer is pretty solidly a sacking offence. So, if it comes to that, is conspiring to assassinate your boss. Well then, say he can't be bought, not directly at least. How else might he be suborned? <sighs> Absolutely no idea. Dash it all, the only thing in the world that you know he cares about is keeping his tie straight and his shoes polished, and that in itself speaks to his loyalty. Would a chap turn a coat that he takes such care to brush each morning? Hmm. Whatever else he values, Standish values his position. No telling whether or not he likes it, but he's certainly invested himself in it. 
He is as in a field a silken tent at midnight when a driving winter gale has snapped most of its ropes. He is now intent to cling to those last bonds until they fail. <sighs> Clinging to an identity. Clinging to whatever hope of rescue Weatherby may offer. For all his wealth and viciousness, Sir John has got no power over either of those things, and you have absolute power over both. Whoever and whatever Standish is, he's yours. Hopefully he realizes that, because he is going to be your spy. <laughs> At least that's what Sir John is going to think. Ah, and it looks as though we're in business once again. Side Whiskers is free, and the last rope has been locked into a robotic vice grip. Flip of the switch, and the Tridecapus is alive. Oh, that's very interesting. The mechanical arms are all now suddenly awake, each moving in independent accord with the arms of the masked... Oh dear. Fellow on the far left seems to have gotten carried away. Sidewhiskers is not pleased. He's grabbed hold of the offending arm, taken control of the rope. In the invisible distance above you, the rogue bell calms and quiets. Bloke on the left looks properly ashamed, or at least his Guy Fawkes mask does. All right, now it seems we are ready in earnest. Sidewhiskers addresses his little cult. You can feel them holding their breaths as he turns back to his incognito compatriots. All arms raised in unison. Ready? And... Now... Well, all right then. You know, there is something oddly compelling about the dance. A rhythmic, yet arrhythmic flow, shot through with subtle complexities. If you look only at a single virtual ringer, it's hard to see the rhyme or reason. This one's a dull, repetitive machine. Whilst that one stands about for minutes on end, before going into a sort of languorous, unmetered spasm. And yet, the overall effect is... glorious. <sighs> Such is the music of the choir invisible. Hidden, anonymous hands, disjointed, yet united pulling the strings in harmonious service to a higher purpose. How very bastardly of them. And what about your higher purpose, eh, self? Ah, yes. Remember, your desire to investigate Sammy's murder and prevent your own is not purely sentimental. You've got work to do. Standish will be a fine, blunt instrument, and perhaps an effective one. 
but the importance of excavating the career of Samantha Braden goes far beyond finding out who ended it. While you were building Project Sybil, Sammy was here in Aldergate, and you would bet the world that her goal and yours were one and the same. Just like always. But, though you may have sought the same ends, her chosen means are still entirely obscure. Nothing you've been able to discover about her work looks anything like Sybil, and that is excellent, because if the bastards catch you trying to rebuild what they destroyed, they will kill you without hesitation. And so, the real investigation must carry on. You've left your clues to languish, what with all this inauguration and acclamation business. It's time to pick up the scent once more, and that's a chase you'll have to run yourself, with the knowledge that, having oh-so-cleverly spotted Black Jack's death trap, you may be about to jump into it anyway. You think not, however. The trail you must follow will lead you, in the end, to Sammy's murderer, but by strange paths you don't think he'll expect. Everything hinges on this, that you understand what drove Sammy in a way nobody else could. Now you need to understand her final project in a way that perhaps only two living people do. <sighs> the bells ring on and on, but it's time that you were leaving. It is time you paid a visit to an old, new friend. It's time for Adrian Ward to go underground. Well then, the hunt is on once more. Our hero appears to have a destination in mind, but will his unpredictable shadow self permit him to get there? And, wherever he ends up, what will be waiting for him? We shall just have to see, shan't we? Join me every second Sunday for a fresh episode of The Aldergate Papers. Right now, however, you must help me help myself. Do please find The Aldergate Papers on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. And spread the word, won't you? Point your friends to thealdergatepapers.com. Until next time, I am and shall remain your humble servant, Adrian Ward. Thank you for listening to Tuesday Terror, right here on the Mutual Audio Network. 
please consider subscribing to other days of the Mutual Feeds, including Monday Matinee for classic live and theatrical audio plays. Wednesday Wonders, our science fiction and fantasy magazine. Thursday Thrillers for action, adventure, mystery, and crime drama. Friday Follies, our end-of-the-week comedy series. The Saturday Story Circle for kids and family alike. And Sunday Showcase, bringing you the very newest in audio releases for the week from our United Artists of Audio, right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.